Before I get started, I thought I would just share a little bit about myself so that I'm not a complete stranger. I'm a Clemson fan. Don't throw anything. (laughs) I hope the Dodgers win the series. And I'm originally from New York, but I was born in a different place because I'm really a country girl at heart. I have three grown children, I have three grandchildren, and I have one on the way, due December 24th. So that's a little bit about me. I am privileged to be here. It's a blessing for me, and I hope that we can hear God's word through me and take it to heart. Let us listen to the words of the Lord our Savior from the Gospel of Philippians 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages and privileges of deity and took the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, to the glorious honor of God the Father. This is the hearing of the Lord's word. Thanks be to God. Let us bow in prayer for a moment, please. Father in heaven, we're here today with open ears and open hearts. Please help us to hear what you want us to hear and help us to take that with us as we go through the week ahead, because it's for you that we exist, and it's for you that we serve. And we ask all these things in the name of your precious gift to us, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I titled this this message, The Great Recipe, A Great Recipe, because I love to cook, and I know that In the Methodist Church, we eat a lot. But if you think about it, when you do cook, and when I first started learning to cook, it was, of course, calling my mother or looking at a recipe. 
And when you look at a recipe, for the most part, if you follow the recipe, most often it will turn out pretty good. Sometimes you have outside factors, maybe your oven doesn't work right or the temperature's not accurate. But for the most part, if you keep trying, the recipe turns out pretty good. And I look at the Bible and read the Bible and hear things in messages, and it's all a recipe. It's a recipe of how we need to be. And it's throughout, and it's, it's pretty the same in so many places. When Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Philippi, they were under persecution. And that exists today, too. I mean, in so many ways, in so many places. I'm sure uh, missionaries have issues. There's places you can't speak about Jesus Christ. There's countries where people are hidden from even worshiping Jesus Christ. And Paul was in prison But yet he wrote with joy. He had one goal, and that was to serve his Lord, Jesus Christ, and spread the good news, spread the words. And Paul thanked God for the Philippians and prayed for their spiritual growth. He wanted them to be strong no matter what they were facing. Paul's message was for them to be united in passion and purpose, united in love, think the same, and be like Christ. Everyone who knows Christ should live in harmony and love. Think about Jesus. He was the Son of God, and yet he was born in a stable had a bed of straw, and was surrounded by barn animals. And no doubt, there were lots of animal odors and dust and dirt. He was never monetarily or materialistically rich. He wasn't carried around on a platform like many of the kings were and draped in purple robes. He didn't eat meals that were fit for a king. Christ cared and spoke to the poor. He seemed to gravitate toward the underdog. He helped the woman who was accused of adultery. He healed the leper. He fed the 5,000. He didn't really care about whether someone had a lot of money social status, or the best clothes. Jesus literally emptied himself and became man in the form of a slave. And he was actually a bondservant, which is the lowest form of a slave. Jesus let go of his rights and his position so he could serve his heavenly father by serving others. Jesus coming as a servant is not just a New Testament idea. 
The whole idea of Jesus coming as a servant is found even in the Old Testament. Isaiah 43.1 says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Jesus demonstrated serving in many ways. At the Last Supper, he washed his disciples' feet, and that was the lowest position in the household. That was what the lowest servant in the house did. In his letter, Paul tells us that we are to be Christ-like and be humble, that we consider others just as Christ did. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. When I was thinking about life and examples of humility and service, when I lived, I lived in Florida for a few years, and I moved into an apartment complex, and I saw on the bulletin board a note that somebody who had a paraplegic was looking for someone that could volunteer to help watch him on the weekends. And I was new to Florida, and I didn't really have a whole lot to do. I was working. I had two young boys. I was a single parent. And I thought, well, you know, I could do that. So I volunteered. The couple's name was Dan and Kay Williams, and Kay was a registered nurse at the local hospital. They were married, and Dan had gotten polio when he was about 15 years old. And within four days, he was in an iron lung, iron lung and then he was paralyzed from the neck down. And Kay was his sister's best friend, and they got married. Now, I learned more from that experience in my life than a lot of other things. And one day I had a conversation with Kay, and I said to her, how do you do it? I mean, what, what is it? That... And she said, well, he can talk, and he is such a huge blessing to me that she said, I can't imagine life without him. And I thought, wow, now if that's not a true example of someone who is totally selfless and humble and yet feels so blessed. And how often do we feel like that? Humility isn't denying who God made us to be. Rather, it's being honest about our weaknesses and God's strength. Humility is getting the focus off of ourselves and putting it upon the needs of others. Jesus did this. He knew that serving others was also serving his Father in heaven. Jesus told his disciples to go and serve with a servant's heart. Do we tend to only serve God when it's convenient for us to do so? Did that movie on TV, that football game, or some other thing of the world get in the way of serving God? Maybe we get lazy and tend to take God for granted. 
Someone with a heart like Jesus obeys God out of love, conviction, and obedience. This kind of conviction often takes courage. Courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage is moving forward and doing what is right in spite of our fears. John Wayne once said in a movie, my mother loved John Wayne, courage is being scared but saddling up anyway. We need to be courageous no matter what and stand up to God's word no matter what the consequences might be. Are you obedient to love your neighbor as yourself, or do you compare or think that you're better? What is your attitude? Is your attitude Christ-like, or when you're happy, you're an encourager, and when you're angry, you're not? You tend to be critical and judgmental? We need to be clear about God's calling, and that begins with a life of humility, conviction, and obedience to all that God has said in his word. Christ was obedient, and he was in constant communication with his Father. How much time do you spend each day talking to God? And it doesn't mean you have to be on your knees in prayer. Heck, you can be driving, I drive down the road sometimes and talk to God. And he already knows, sometimes if you can't find the words, he knows your heart. Just be quiet and connect with him. We need to be so clear about God's calling. He taught where he was guided to be, Jesus did, and he was obedient even to the point of dying on the cross. Dying on the cross in the Roman Empire was the cruelest and most humiliating death of a criminal, and Christ knew what he was facing. And yet, through his obedience, salvation came to humanity. Jesus gave it all when he came to this earth to become like one of us and then give his life as a sacrifice for our sin. The heart of a servant recognizes that by serving others, we serve Christ. Having a servant's heart is paying the price to achieve God's plans and purposes. Taking up the cross doesn't mean living a life of inconvenience. Rather, it means dying to your old self and taking on a new self. Having a servant's heart conflicts with our inclination because most often we're self-centered and we have personal desires. But in the end, there's a reward waiting for being obedient. The reward is that God, not man, will hold us in high regard. When we humble ourselves and take upon ourselves a servant heart, that's when God lifts us up. The world says that someone is great when they make it to the top of their field. Having great athletic ability or leadership skills, or they do something special to help others. This is what the world considers great. 
But the greatness that is sought after as a servant of God is in loving and serving God. The Bible says that we show God our love and service by loving and serving those he places in our lives. Greatness comes from the humility of being a servant of the Most High. I don't know about all of you, but I've thought about the number of times in my life when something was right in front of me that I could have been a servant or maybe could have been a blessing to someone, and I neglected to recognize that. And so I think it's, it's really important that we stay connected to God and recognize those opportunities. When you believe in Christ, God implants his mind into yours and you become a new creation. You cannot sound or act like Christ unless you pray. This is essential to spiritual growth and getting to know Christ better. You can do this by doing a daily Bible reading, listening to praise and worship music, old hymns, fellowship with other Christians, encourage each other in your walk with Christ. Do something every day to become more Christ-like. If you have to take baby steps, it's okay. Take baby steps. Don't be selfish or try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Ask yourself whose needs come first. Are you selfish in your thoughts and what you want? Do you accept others in love? And that means everybody, even people who have wronged you. Do you treat those you love as servants, or do you serve them? When we are humble and obedient and serve and are sacrificial, we have the heart of Christ. The condition of our heart determines who we are. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And Luke 6.45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Do you stop before you open your mouth and speak? and think about what you're about to say. I know there's been times when I've been reactive rather than taking that moment and regretted it. So the recipe is to love, to be obedient, and to have a servant's heart. And if you do that, and every morning wake up and say, Thank you for this day, God. I love you. What can I do for you today? Amen.